Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. When we looked at why would a company modernize, because that's a great question you asked. When we looked at why would they do it, what are the problems they're solving, and what causes those problems? We came to the conclusion that's a little bit unique, a little bit different than the other players in our space. Our conclusion was it's it's actually process friction that slows down payments. It's not that customers are deadbeats or that customers just are stretching out their... I mean, some do, there's no question, but, but generally speaking, it's, it's just there's friction and confusion in the process. That was Craig O'Neill, the CEO of VersaPay, and he is our special guest on this episode, episode 188 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Craig is a Canadian native with a degree in computer science and a lifelong passion for music. In fact, before he decided to go corporate, he was the lead guitarist in a band. He started his corporate journey in wealth management before moving into payments. VersaPay is a fintech company with a focus on both software and payments to simplify and automate accounts receivable. They facilitate upwards of $60 billion in payments between participating companies. They have coined the term collaborative AR and use it literally as their competitive advantage. Craig and I go on to talk about his journey to becoming the CEO and where he sees the industry going in the next two to three years. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Craig. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thank you, Greg. It's great to be here with you. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that, and then we'll dive into your professional background in a minute. Sure. Sounds great. So I was born and raised here in Toronto. It's where I'm sitting today. I'm sitting in my home office. Our headquarters for VersaPay is in Toronto as well. So born and raised, stayed close to home, went to school close to home in, uh, in Toronto, University of Toronto in uh, computer science. I stayed close because at the time, sort of late high school into college, I was playing in a band and uh, we got quite serious. We had some aspirations to maybe make it a career. So I wanted to stay close to home to stay in the band. Before school finished, I ended up having to make the choice of, of sticking with education or making music my day job. I think I wisely chose to stick with my education and I stayed in school and kept music as a hobby. And that was a great call, it turned out, to staying close to home and, and not going off and traveling because I ended up meeting my wife at the end of uh, college. So we got married right out of school, bought a house, got our first job. So a high-stress year right out of school. And I have to admit, I'm talking like back in the late 80s, I'm dating myself a while back. We've got three kids, and we uh, are just so delighted. We're very close to family. And uh, my oldest... We got started fairly young out of school, so my oldest did the same. She followed in our footsteps and actually got married while she was still in school, and she now has three kids. So I find myself in my mid-50s and being a grandparent, which uh, we absolutely love. Over my career, I started out, I don't think I mentioned I went to school and uh, learned how to program. I was in computer science. So over my career, I've been in software the whole time. 30 plus years, first went to a telecom company in their engineering group, writing code, and then ended up leaving there thinking I would never do it. I decided I had the bug to start my own business. So six, seven years out of school, started my first business. Never really looked back since then. So I've had a couple of, a few different businesses that I founded and grew and then sold, mostly in the wealth management industry. 
And then I met Versapay a little over nine years ago and gets, got excited about what they were doing. And I sort of switched from long time in wealth management software into the exciting world of payments. And my anniversary with Versapay was just a few days ago. So I've been with the company for nine years. Oh, congratulations. Well, I think out of everything you said, what everyone's going to want to know is what kind of band did you play in? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And those that know me today can't quite picture this, but it was a rock band. I played guitar and I used to sing and we would do original music, although we were always very clean cut. It was a uh, kind of a contemporary Christian music rock band. Not a lot of money in that genre of music, but we used to love doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, great. Thanks for that background. I really appreciate it. Let's dive into the company. So tell our audience about VersaPay. What does VersaPay do? Yeah. So as the name kind of implies, we're in payments, but we're actually in a, kind of a unique aspect of payments. So we're a fintech company that is both software and payments focused on AR automation, so accounts receivable automation, and payments between businesses or B2B payments. So payments between companies, we focus on the seller, the supplier, you know, often known as the merchant in the payments world. So companies that are doing business with business customers, in, and these companies are manufacturing, distribution, technology, transportation, business services, media, and you know, many more industries. And our aim, what we're all about is we're looking to change the way these businesses, really hundreds of thousands of them, do business together by simplifying the transaction process. So payments are core to that process, but it's more than just payment. It's it's billing, it's collections and collaboration to solve problem. It's the payment and then all of the accounting around payments. And crazy as it sounds, that's a pretty antiquated process. And that's probably putting it kindly. It's a process that's overdue for change. And therefore, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. It's a rapidly growing space. This is an area that has been kind of overlooked for years and years and years. And we and a few other players now are looking to modernize and change how companies are transacting. So I joined the company. I mentioned um, yeah, I've been in wealth management a long time and learned about VersaPay and kind of made the pivot into payments. I did that because when I looked at what VersaPay was attempting to do, I thought, wow, I can't believe this hasn't been done. But as I looked into it, I realized it hasn't been done. There's very few companies that have fully modernized how they transact with other companies. And it seemed like the time was right. That was nine years ago. And nine years later, I believe that more than ever, it's still a relatively young market. But we have 8,000 clients. We have a million of our clients' customers on our platform, the VersaPay Network. And we're moving about $60 billion in uh, payments between companies. And we feel like we're just getting started. So that's a little bit about us. Okay. And what countries do you do business in today? Yeah, we're currently North American based. So, but 80% of our business is in the US, 20% in Canada. We have just kind of planted our flag in the UK and Europe, but just really getting started. We have some aspirations to grow quickly there, but 99.9% .9 of the business is in North America today. Okay. Okay. And then is your model, is it a SaaS model or because you're in payments, you also have a transaction component? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of a hybrid. We have a SaaS model for all of the software parts of what we do. And it's a subscription-based model with some overages because there's some flexible aspects of you know the volume of invoices you're dealing with month to month and so on. And then there's the payment side. And we do multiple forms of payment. Some of that can be sort of done under subscription, kind of ACH-related payments. The client's got the choice. And then, of course, there's the credit card side, which is fairly typical. 
Although, you know, one of the key aspects we bring to, to business is we can provide business to business credit card processing, which is optimized for cost with level two and level three data. But it is the fairly, you know, traditional sort of in arrears. We, we monitor the transaction volume and, and charge accordingly. Okay. And what is your go-to-market strategy? You have a direct sales team. You work through partnership channels or both? Yeah. So we have this nice problem, and that is that it's a massive market. We, by our analysis, there's literally hundreds of thousands of companies just in the U.S. that can benefit from what we do. So when you have a market that that is that large and, and so early stage, and when I say early stage, across the landscape of vendors in our space, and there's only about roughly about 10 of us, we have about 5% market share. So it's largely unbended. This is a fairly, as I said earlier, kind of a new thing, modernizing how companies transact. So when you've got such a big market, which is untapped, you need multiple paths in. So we have a great direct marketing and direct sales team that's going after the market and really doing some terrific work. But then we've got some fantastic partners. We work with different ERP vendors, mostly mid-market ERP vendors, to get access to their existing client base, as well as new clients, but largely their existing client base. We actually have some very exciting announcements coming this fall with, with some of our ERP vendor partners. We work with their ecosystems of value-added resellers. And then we also work with banks and payment companies, financial institutions, and the major payments players all see this huge opportunity in B2B payments with really trillions of dollars of payments. It's actually bigger than consumer payments, so trillions of dollars of payments yet to be modernized. So of course, when they find players that are focused on business-to-business payments, that interests them immensely. So we've got some of the tier one banks and the regional banks that we work with, and really the leading payment players, we work with them as well. Okay. What would drive a company to decide to modernize? Sort of what, what is the pain point that you guys are helping them solve? Yeah, well, and this is why it's so surprising that it hasn't been done before, because I'd say it's probably been a somewhat of a nascent pain, or they've le- learned to live with it. Most companies, they sell on kind of a combination of the sell on account, so they provide credit, they sell to a business, and they get paid later. And then in some cases, they say that the, the business customers just does not safe enough to provide credit so they get paid at the time of the order. So of course, we're focused largely on payments that happen on account and are getting paid after the fact, which is the bulk of B2B payments. And typically, the term on a, on a payment that's on account is 30 days. But when you look at companies that have 30-day terms, most of them, their actual time to collect is more like 45, 50, 60 days. It's much longer than the 30 days. So the first motivating factor is simply get paid faster, try and get paid closer to the term versus 15, 25, 30 days after the term. Sometimes it's 90 days, they're, they're waiting until they can collect their money. And then, of course, there are some that they never collect and there's bad debt. So one part is get paid faster. And then the second major part is that depending on the size of the company, they can have a lot of manual labor involved in both invoicing and collections and accounting. We've met enterprise companies with four or 500 people in the AR department just doing manual work, handling transactions. So, of course, they think to themselves, we could probably streamline this and use technology to perhaps do this better and do this faster. And then the third thing, and this is new and it's important to us because we really believe in this, the third thing is is actually the customer experience. And what is it like for a customer, a business customer, to get invoiced by us and to have to pay us and What kind of confusion do we create when there's lots of transactions happening every month with customers that we do repeat business with? And really, 
what's driven that thinking, that awareness of we need to think about the customer's experience of doing business with us. That's largely been COVID because that blew everything up. It's amazing how in the US, the traditional, we mail or email an invoice. We wait for somebody to handle that invoice at the customer and then they mail us a check. That's the bulk of, of business to business transactions. But of course, people were not in offices to handle those invoices as they arrived and they weren't in the office to cut a check and send it back. So it really kind of blew up the transaction process and companies began to embrace this idea of we need to support remote work. We need to make it easy for our customers to pay us no matter where they are, whether they're working remotely or working online. And actually, you know, it turns out customers have wanted different options for a long time. We've kind of ignored it. We have to stop ignoring it. We have to really try and adhere to the kind of process that they want to run in their transaction process. So customer experience has been a big deal now, which we love at Versafake is we've believed that customer experience should really drive the process. And so that we kind of feel like the market is sort of lining up in, in sort of the direction that we've been heading for a while now. And you've, at least I read on your website, you have this term collaborative AR. So can you speak to what that means and, and what's kind of driving that kind of value prop? Yeah, absolutely. When we looked at why would a company modernize? Because that's a great question you asked. When we looked at why would they do it? What are the problems they're solving? And what causes those problems? We came to the conclusion that's a little bit unique, a little bit different than the other players in our space. Our conclusion was it's, it's actually process friction that slows down payments. It's not that customers are deadbeats or that customers just are stretching out their... I mean, some do, there's no question, but, but generally speaking, it's it's just there's friction and confusion in the process. And that friction and confusion comes from this disconnected way of doing business. Like I said earlier, a supplier will issue an invoice and send it off by mail or email to someone they think is still at the company and they assume is still at the company, lands in an inbox, lands in a desk, or it doesn't make it through at all. And then the confusion can start from there. Who's got the invoice? Uh, what step is it in the process of approval at the customer? And so on. there's a lack of visibility. There's a lack of information sharing. We learned early on to ask companies and the collectors in those companies, when you get to a live person, when you're trying to get a, an invoice paid that's overdue and you get to a live person, what sorts of reasons do you get from the customer that they haven't paid? And what we learned very quickly was about 50% of the time, collectors will say that they're told by the customer, I never got that invoice. Can you resend it? So it's not any intention about not paying. It's simply they don't know. So we concluded there's this disconnect between suppliers and buyers that if you close that disconnect, it solves many of the problems that hold up payment. So we thought about how to do that. And then we, we kind of applied consumer-oriented principles. We said, if we create a, create a great online self-service environment where you're sharing data in real time, you're providing account history, both for invoices and payments and disputes that were opened and closed, essentially like support cases, on and on and on. If you provide all of that online all the time to customers, and then you make it easy for them to collaborate in that platform with the AR department and with each other. So if they need to check with a, you know, if an AP person needs to check with the business person that made the order, or they've got a question for the shipping manager at the supplier, just make it easy to collaborate and discuss and ask questions and solve issues, but around the invoice or around the payment. If there's confusion about payment was made, but we can't quite tell what the payment's for, just make it easy to talk about those things across companies and across teams. And so that's what we built. We find that that gathers everyone online. So we find 
that the adoption by customers is very, very high. And it really does solve most of the problems. And then there's automation tucked in behind to, to streamline the things that people traditionally did anyways, like the accounting around the payment that comes in. So of course, our first and foremost, the hallmark of our system is this idea of collaborative or, or collaboration. And hence, we, we call it collaborative AR, which is kind of a, a bit of an odd term. The first time we use that term with prospects, they're like, what, what is that all about? But when we explain it and show it and they get the vision for it, they realize it's actually a really natural way of working. Yeah, yeah. I love that concept of removing the friction. I mean, when you think about the payment space over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, you know, you had companies like Square that came into the industry and removed friction for the small businesses. You had Uber come in and removed payment friction for that whole industry. So removing the friction is such a great way to position your company, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And those are two great examples. And really, we were very much informed by those sorts of consumer experiences. We've got so many things that we take for granted now. Even I was, I was out with my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter, shopping for my wife's birthday on the weekend. And we went into a makeup store. It's the first time I've ever gone in and purchased makeup in my life. And my daughter took me in there. And we were both making purchases. I pulled out my credit card to pay. She pulled out her phone and used Apple Pay to pay. And it struck me, what, why don't I use Apple Pay? So I'll, I'll use it more often going forward. But we take these things for granted. There's been a lot of innovation in consumer payments that have removed the friction and added convenience. Now, business payments are naturally more complex. Oftentimes, the business customer is paying several things at once. They're disputing certain things. They qualify for promotional discounts, or they simply are taking a deduction because they feel that there's something wrong. Maybe there was goods damaged or what have you. And there's credits, and there's just lots of complexity. But we said, gee, if we could make that easy to do online, easy and convenient for the customer, we think they'd appreciate it, and they'd pay more reliably. So that's kind of what we've been focused on doing. So we've kind of taken a page out of consumer payments, and we're trying to bring that to the B2B world. Awesome. Well, you recently, relatively recently, made an acquisition of a company called Dade Systems. So can you talk about what that brought to the company? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when we talk about this idea of collaborative AR and payments online, we've recognized for a long time that you know, if we really make the collaboration great and we ease the job of both the customer and the supplier, so the AP department and the AR department, that most users will, will embrace that and use it. But we also recognize that when it came to the actual payment itself, that likely small to mid-sized business customers, so customers of our clients, would actually embrace paying online as well. But the bigger companies, Fortune 500s, enterprise class companies that are making potentially thousands of payments every month, they're likely not going to embrace the payment experience on our client's system, the client the, of VersaPay and, and the VersaPay network. No matter how good that experience is, they don't want exceptions. They're making thousands of payments. So they're going to perhaps cut a batch of checks, or they're going to upload ACHs to their bank, or they're going to inter integrate with virtual card networks to push out virtual card payments. They're going to do things in batch. So part of what we do along with the collaboration is we connect into various sources of payments to handle those batch payments from large buyers. So we connect, for instance, with the MasterCard virtual card network and with the Amex virtual card network and with others. And in the case of checks, of course, it's a little bit less about connecting into a, a single source. It's about being able to handle lockbox payments, files of payment information, including 
images from lots of different banks. And that's what data is very good at. Data systems technology looks at images, OCRs those images, uses AI to understand what exactly is the intent of the person who wrote this check, which can be tricky sometimes because it can be handwritten. But they do some some real magic on figuring out what is this payment all about and can even convert that payment to an ACH and, and run it like an electronic payment. So that was a key part of our strategy to capture payments that are happening outside of our network for good reason. And we had been partnering with them. We found that their team was great. Their uh, technology was great. And so we were delighted to make them part of the company. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier, there's nine or 10 competitors in this space. Beyond the collaborative aspect that you may do differently than others, what else do you consider a differentiator? Yeah, well, definitely the collaborative is very different. And the way we term it, so I'll just touch on one more point on that. The way we think about it is you can focus on simply automating the work that the AR department does. That's mostly what our competition does. Or we can change the way companies work together. And that's an important point because by simply automating what the AR department does, it doesn't change the nature of the transaction. So for instance, you know, there's a huge proportion of payments that are done by check in the U.S., our competitors don't change that. We tend to really drive down the use of checks and drive up the use of electronic forms of payment, which being partly a payments company, that's that's an important side effect that we're looking for. So that's the biggest differentiator. The other one, though, is it comes back to the idea of collaboration and you know, inherent to collaboration is connection, being able to connect. We want both people to be able to connect and collaborate on our platform but also the systems at their companies to be able to talk together and share information. So integration is a big deal. Integration from our network into our client systems and our clients' customer systems is really important. And the most complex integration that we that we deal with is into the client's ERP or accounting system. So NetSuite and Microsoft Business Central and Sage Intact, but also enterprise systems like SAP and others. And so we do a lot of work integrating to those systems. And a big differentiator for us is in the mid-market where we're integrated with the mid-market ERPs that are leaders in the space, like the ones I mentioned, Intact and Business Central and, and NetSuite. And we're more than just integrated. We've embedded our technology right inside those ERPs. So what that means is when you receive a payment from a customer, it flows through our network right into your ERP and everything is fully reconciled right through to the bank reconciliation. And it just happens. And because it's all pre-built and pre-integrated, you can be up and running within days. So that combination of packaged integration, which allows for time to market in days, is a big, unique thing for us. And then along with that, we've got great relationships with those those ERP vendors. We've got thousands of shared customers. So they're bringing us new mid-market customers all the time that are interested in enabling their businesses with collaborative AR and electronic payments. So that's a big one for us as well. So those are the two, the, the collaborative nature of the platform and then the connectedness into a variety of systems and especially ERP systems. Okay. And where do you see all of this? And you can answer from either the modernization aspect of AR or the payments, but where do you see all this headed, say, in the next two to three years? Yeah. And and so we think a lot about that, not just from an AR perspective, but certainly more from a B2B payment perspective, as opposed to the payment industry at large. And some of the B2B payment world is catching up to the consumer world, but we think it's going to catch up fast. So couple things. First of all, in, in the next two to three years, we think it's going to grow very, very rapidly. We think that checks will finally be replaced by electronic payments, again, largely driven by COVID and people waking up to 
we've got to reduce our reliance on checks. So we think that there's a huge amount of growth and conversion in electronic payments in the business-to-business world. Second, though, and kind of related, electronic payments really become the norm in terms of how companies transact. The challenge of handling them properly, so processing payments, storing sensitive data around payments, reconciling accounting for payments, that's going to be a pain point that really is going to drive change in terms of how companies operate. Right now, they've learned how to do those things with checks, and checks is largely you know, their major form of payment. As checks go away, they're going to have to learn how to do those things with electronic payments. And that means that electronic payments are going to need to get smarter. The way we like to put it is payments need to carry dollars and data. can't just be dollars. Payments need to carry a description of what is this for. So the thing, the magic that we do with our data systems technology of OCRing and using AI to basically understand what did the customer mean by this check or by this ACH where they send an email separate from the ACH, that needs to ultimately go away. And we think that'll start to, there'll be real inroads to that over the next two to three years. So lots of growth, conversion to electronic, and then payments need to get smarter. We think that's going to happen quite quickly. Okay. All right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So you mentioned a little bit about your professional journey. So maybe walk us through, you said you had a career in wealth management and decided to go over to the dark side of payments. (laughs) I I added that part. You didn't. Um, (laughs) Maybe talk about why you made that switch. What was so interesting about VersaPay and, and why joining the company? So if you could talk a little about that, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting looking back because I had not planned to make the switch. In fact, I had, again, I mentioned this was nine years ago, I joined the company. So call it nine and nine and three quarter years ago, I had just left my previous job. I had started and grown a company and then sold it to a Swiss company and ended up staying in the wealth management space. And the Swiss company was doing kind of Swiss private banking type software and wanted to go mainline into full wealth management. So they acquired my company that had been very successful. And I ended up, ended up staying for five years. I hadn't planned to, but things were going well. And when I expressed my desire to leave, my boss at the time, the CEO of the company that acquired us, kept convincing me each year to re-up for one more year. So I stayed on for five years and had left, taken a little bit of time off, and I was just about a month into starting a new company with one of my customers, a US customer that when they realized I had left, they approached me about starting what today is, is known as a robo-advisor, they were very successful, are a very successful investment manager, and they had a vision to create sort of an on- online advice-giving product, and they were asking me to, to lead that with them. So I was about a month into doing that. So I was heading down a track, and I got a call from the VersaPay recruiter, and he did a great job of outlining what VersaPay was thinking and how they were pivoting. At that point, VersaPay was a fairly traditional credit card ISO, a very successful one, and they were public on the Toronto Stock Exchange. But they were looking to pivot into this world of AR automation and business-to-business payments. And they were looking for a CEO with both software experience and payments. I didn't have the payments part, but I had the software part. And when I heard the story, it intrigued me. And I did a little bit of research. I talked to some CFOs and asked them, so how does your AR department work? How do you collect payments from from your business customers? And what I heard again and again, aligned with my own experience at my own companies that I you know, either started or worked for. And I thought, gee, there's something here. It seems like most companies need this. And I started to call it kind of a once in a career opportunity. How often do you run into a, an idea or an opportunity where there's hundreds of thousands of potential customers that really need what you're doing? They might not know it yet, but they really need what you're doing. So that really intrigued me. 
and I ended up kind of making the leap and leaving all that background and network of connections that I had in wealth management to do this. And no regrets, because it really has been a once in a career opportunity. It's been such fun. And we've made such a difference with so many companies. It's awesome. So what are some things that you're passionate about? So maybe one work-related passion and one personal passion. Yeah, well, and that fits well, because I'd say my life is pretty simple right now with my focus. And one is personal and one is work. So I'm passionate about my family and my kids and now my grandkids. It's kind of the way I was brought up. I was very close with my mom and my dad. We had a wonderful environment growing up where we cared about each other and, and supported each other. So my wife and I really want to be that for our kids and now our grandkids. So we just love spending time together, love supporting them. We had our grandkids with us this weekend. They live a couple of hours north of Toronto and they were with us this weekend. And all the stories we'd ever heard about how wonderful it was being grandparents, it turns out they're true. We just adore them and adore time with them. So that's a passion for sure. They put a smile on our face. They were even, as they were leaving, we were smiling because the kid, there's three of them actually. So my daughter got, she's 30 years old. She got started young. So she's got three kids and uh, they were in the back of their SUV and they were all kind of crying, leaving. They didn't want to leave. <laughs> and we have a lake house that is near where they, where they live. They live in a beautiful part of, of Ontario, two hours north of the city called Muskoka. And we have a house in Muskoka close to them. And we said, oh, we're going to be up and we'll see you next weekend. And the oldest, Noah, said, yeah, but the city house is more fun than the lake house. <laughs> but they like to be with their grandparents. And we just love that. We're, we have real passion for our family. And then right now, I am very passionate about Versapan and what we're doing. I've always had this philosophy through my career that I try and either build or be part of businesses that are doing something really meaningfully different for customers, making a real difference, making their their companies and the employees at those companies, their lives better. That's one part of it. The other part, of course, is you're, you're building value for your shareholders or owners. And then the third part that's so important is you're creating a culture that employees love to be part of. They're, they're learning and they're challenged and they're growing and they're, they're thriving and they want to be part of it. It's not easy. It's hard work but they thrive on the hard work and the learning that comes along with that. And that's kind of the environment I've always defined as a, as a successful environment, a successful company. And VersaPay and what we're trying to do, and with this big opportunity to touch and to, to help hundreds of thousands of companies, it's a ready-made situation for all three of those things. And that's what we're working hard doing, and we're making great progress in all those areas. And so I just, I love that. I feel like I'm right in the middle of of the type of thing that I want to be doing and that I kind of define as business success. So a lot of passion around that. It's hard work and there's new problems to solve every day as we grow, but we, we're just really enjoying those that problem solving and the learning that comes with that. So that's a real passion as well. So family and VersaPay are kind of it. Pretty simple right now. Yeah, no, that's great. We have a grandchild as well. So I'm very, very familiar with with everything you're saying. That's <laughs> great. So when I started in payments going back 16 plus years ago, you know, the word fintech didn't exist and payments was basically credit card processing. And obviously we've come a long way since then. In fact, kids these days can take fintech courses in college, and I think they look at this industry, whether you want to call it payments, fintech, whatever, they see it as an opportunity to build a career in the space. What advice would you give them, college student coming out, wanting to join the payments industry? What would you tell them that they need to do to be successful? 
you know, funny enough, I actually had this conversation just a few weeks ago. Some good friends of ours, their son just graduated and decided to take the summer off and was asking me for some advice as they now look to kind of starting their career. And some of this is payments or industry agnostic. It's just, it's just career stuff and some would be payment specific. But I guess there were a couple of things I advised of them and not that it was my advice, but kind of cool that a month later, he's already landed a job. And it turns out he was looking at payments and technology. This is a company that's more technology that does a bit of payments, but great to see that he's landed a job. He's a smart young man. So the three things were invest yourself in your work, whatever you do. When I started out, I remember when I graduated college, I started work, I was still playing in this band and work was pay the bills and the band was more the interesting stuff. We were keeping it as a hobby, but it was kind of more my passion. But after a couple of years of working, I realized like you spend a lot of time at work. <laughs> it took a couple of years to learn that, but you spend a lot of time at work. You know, it'll be more rewarding. It'll be more fulfilling if you really invest yourself in it and, and take it seriously. So I chose to do that about two years into my career, and I'm so glad that I did. So I always advise young people. Don't try and sort of meet the minimum bar, invest yourself in your work, work wholeheartedly, do a great job. Yes, that side effect is you'll get ahead, but better than that, you'll enjoy your work and you'll you'll make a difference and that's rewarding. That was number one. Kind of related that, keep learning. Don't feel now that you've graduated college, you've figured it all out. Keep on learning. And that comes to payments. What I find in payments, software is largely like this as well, but there's a lot of complexity about payments. There's a lot of things that can be confusing. So you need to dig in and learn. And the more you learn and really understand how money moves and the different forms of payments and the, the different players and their real involvement in the value chain of a payment, the more valuable you come yourself in terms of doing a whole variety of jobs in the payment industry. So keep learning, researching, digging in, asking why, being curious. Curiosity is a great thing. And then finally, and this is a model that we apply at Versapin, we talk a lot about. I read a book called The Ideal Team Player from a writer called Patrick Lencioni that I really like. And this book essentially proposed that you can identify an ideal team player through three attributes, three characteristics. They're humble, hungry, and smart. And humble is the first and foremost of the three. It's a recognition that this is not all about me. I'm not here just to get ahead and to build my career. I'm here to make a difference and be part of a team and help the team and serve our customers and try to put your ego aside and, and be part of something bigger. So humility is so important. Hunger, of, of course, being willing and motivated to work hard and do whatever it takes. And then smart is, is more about EQ type smart than IQ type smart, learning to work with people, to be empathetic, to listen well, to communicate well, to put yourself in their shoes, to try and understand them before, before trying to be understood, first trying to understand them. So be smart in terms of how you work with people and how you communicate with people. So humble, hungry, smart is something that they always, always advise young people as well. Make that a goal to learn how to be those three things because we're all born with different tendencies to be that way or not, but really strive to score high in those three areas. And you'll be a great addition to a company and that'll be good for your company, but also rewarding for you as well. So those are the, the bits of advice I literally just shared with this young man about a month ago, who I just heard a couple of days ago at his first job. 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's some great advice and then real world, real world example. So thanks for sharing that. Well, Craig, we've covered a lot of ground on the company, the industry, what makes you guys different and unique, and then obviously a little bit about you and your background. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Other than this has been great, Greg. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I think that's probably what I'd, what I'd probably wrap up with. So thank you so much for giving me the chance to share with you and for your great questions. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here today. And I appreciate you having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 